You're listening to a message from Highway Church from Debbie, one of our elders, entitled, A Vision of Victory. Enjoy. The whole book of Deuteronomy, Moses is recounting Jewish history. He's reminding them of everything God had done for them and all that God still wants to do for them going forward. So as the book opens, the children of Israel are at at Kadesh Barnir. This is a place that's not unfamiliar to them, especially to Joshua and Caleb. They had been here before. The previous generation had stood at the exact same place where this generation is now standing. They had come so close to crossing over the Jordan River and possessing the land, but they had refused to go in because they were giants in the land. But the truth is, if they had just gone in and faced the giants, they would have overcome them because God had already given them the land. And furthermore, the inhabitants of the land were afraid of them. They were afraid of the children of God. Okay, we know this because if we were to read on further into the book of Joshua, under Joshua's leadership, he takes them over and he sends in two spies and they come into Rahab's house. Do you know what Rahab says to them? I'll read it to you. She says something like this. I know that the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. But we have heard how the Lord had made the dry path through the Red Sea. We heard how the, you killed the two kings, King Sion and King Og, and you destroyed all the people, and our hearts did melt when we heard this. For the Lord your God is God in heaven and in earth beneath. Isn't that interesting? The inhabitants of the land had better perspective of God than God's people. The previous generation had not believed God. They had not taken God at his word. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. They saw themselves as victims and not as victors. And let me tell you something. Are you ready for this? Say yes, Debbie. It doesn't matter what anybody sees you like. It does not matter what they think about you. What matters is how you see yourself. Do you see yourself as a grasshopper? Not good enough? You can't measure up? You can't do anything right? Do you see yourself as a victim or as a victor? They saw themselves as grasshoppers, and that's where they were defeated. It really began in their minds. They trusted more in what they saw than what God had said about them. And and so, because of this unbelief, they were not allowed to go into the promised land. They were sent back into the wilderness. Are you ready for this? Where they went around in circles, just wandered for 38 years until that unbelieving generation all died. Listen, they had died delivered but never free. They died delivered but never possessing what God had provided for them. That's a good word right there. I didn't hear an amen, but it's okay. I'll encourage myself. Are you ready? Only Joshua and Caleb, they were the only two. Stop and think about this for a moment. You've got two to three million people. Only two believe. That's like one in a million. Say it. Wow. One in a million God had not brought the children of Israel out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. He had not brought them out of Egypt to just barely make it, no, and to forsake them. He brought them out of Egypt to bring them into a place of abundance, into a place of increase, into a place of multiplication, a place where they would have houses full of fine things, vineyards they didn't dig, Wells, vineyards they didn't plant, and wells they didn't dig. Amen? You know, many years ago now, uh, we were in the building process, Dennis and I, in the bakery. We were in the build. We were going to put on an addition. And in the middle of putting on that addition, we we were getting ready to go on vacation because we believe in partying all the time. You know that about us. (laughs) And uh, we're getting ready to go on vacation, and we got a phone call from one of the major chains. 
saying that the, they had just gone, filed bankruptcy. So they left us with the $100,000 of an unpaid balance. So we packed up our suitcases and we went on vacation. <laughs> when we got back, one of our vendors who would, was taking product from us had duplicated our system, our grill. So now they could make the product themselves and they no longer wanted our product. So that was two major accounts we lost in the middle of a building project. Dennis could not get paid. We were able to pay the builders, but Dennis could, did not get a salary for about a year. And uh, I got a verse in the middle, in the midst of this, I've got a verse from God, from Deuteronomy chapter eight, that says, I am bringing you into a good land. Deuteronomy eight, he says, where you will have wheat, that's my flour. You'll have figs, that's the raisins. You'll have oil, yeah, we do put the oil in the butter. I'm bringing you into a land, he says, are you ready for this? Where bread will not be scarce. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise him. He says, you will build your fine houses. We have. Your, pardon? Oh, yes, you did. You were building my addition back then. Imagine that all these years later. Look who's here. Look what the Lord has done. Woo-wee! And back then, he thought we were crazy Protestants, right? He said, yes, Debbie. Okay, that's right. Don't go there. Don't have So he said, when you build your fine houses, which we have, when your gold and silver multiplies, and I think Dennis had a few gold and silver coins, maybe a couple of maple leaves and what have you, right? He said, remember to praise your God because it is he that has brought you into this land and he gives you the ability to get wealth. Amen? God faithfully brought us out. He brought it to a spacious place place and guess what bread has never been scarce as a matter of fact we multiplied and multiplied listen to me church family listen to me god has not brought us out of the world to be sick busted broken disgusted he has not he has not brought us out of Egypt to barely make it. God has brought us out of Egypt, out of this world system, to bring us into a place of abundance and increase. God has so much more for all of us. He has called each and, one, each and every one of us to live a victorious Christian life. And if we're not living that Christian victorious life, something's not right. Say, that's right, Debbie. Come on, say it. It's not right, Debbie. Because we're not just supposed to just merely get by, not just survive. It's not right for us going around in circles like the Israelites. You know, they had gotten to the point they were doing nothing, expecting nothing, and getting nothing. But then God speaks to them in chapter 2, verse 3. And you know what he says to them in verse 3 there, chapter 2? You have compassed this mountain long enough. It's time to move forward. Now let's go down to verse 24 because this is the verse that God gave me. This is only my introduction. I haven't even started yet, okay? I hope you're not going anywhere. I hope that oven is on 250 and very low at home. All right, here we go. Verse 24. This is the verse the Lord gave me. Rise ye up. Take your journey and pass over the river Arnon. Behold... I have given to your hand Sion, the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. Whew. I love this scripture because written in this one verse that is so pivotal is six elements of biblical truths and foundational principles that are so relevant for you and me today. I believe that you're going to be encouraged, inspired, excited, challenged to fulfill God's destiny for your life. Amen. I've titled this message, Pastor Joseph, A Vision of Victory. A Vision of Victory. Can we pray now? Abba Father, we praise you. Lord Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we adore you. Lord, today we thank you for what you are doing in our lives. We thank you that your word is active in our lives. We thank you that your word is actively, supernaturally working in our lives. We praise you and thank you, Lord. We will not leave here the same. Father, thank you that you are uprooting, tearing down, destroying, overthrowing, building, and planting this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Verse 24. Rise ye up. And the Lord is commanding right now the children of Israel to rise up and move forward. This is something the Lord had not spoken to them in 40 years. They had been in a holding pattern, going around in circles. And now he's commanding them to rise up because he had something better for them. He had more for them. Get ready. Anytime God is ready to promote you, take you to a higher place, to a new level, it will always demand leaving a place of security and comfort. Amen. Someone has said new Levels, new devils. But I say it like this. New levels, but God has already gone before me. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. Write that verse down. Meditate on that. I know the plans I have for you, say the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Isn't that what God's saying? Yes. Doesn't he have a good purpose for your life? Doesn't he have an amazing, amazing future for you? Isn't this what he's saying? Isn't he? Say yes, Debbie. Because Father God has big dreams for his children. Are you listening to pastor's messages on Sunday? The father's dream, right? Because the father has big dreams for his children. If you're a parent, you have big dreams for your children. You have big expectations, right? Father God has the same for us. Unfortunately, like the children of Israel, so many of God's people are going around in circles. Some even become complacent, comfortable, not possessing their possessions. But it's time to rise up and go forward. You know, perhaps you've gone through some hardships. Perhaps for years now you've been struggling with the same issues, the same problems, and you feel like you've just been going around in circles. And you've grown tired, you've grown weary, and you want to give up. But God says to you this morning, rise up. It's a new day. Rise up because things are about to change. No matter how bad the problem is you're facing, your situation can change overnight. Overnight. You know, I love the story of the four lepers in the book of Kings. Their land was ravaged with famine. Enemy troops had surrounded the city. And they had cut off all the food supply. It was so bad that mothers were eating their children just to survive. But right in the middle of that devastating situation, four lepers sitting outside the city gate, believing they had nothing to lose, decided to do something. Instead of feeling sorry for themselves and waiting to die, they decided to rise up and go into the enemy camp. One said, are we going to just still sit here and die? Because it dawned on them that if they just stayed outside the city, they were going to die. If they went inside the city, they were going to die, face that fame. You know, but listen, they, the place they were in represented transition. They were one action away from settling or thriving. And they decided to go in. You know what they found? I'm glad you asked. The enemy was gone. He wasn't there. The enemy ran in panic and fear because the enemy heard the sound of a great and mighty army with its chariots and horses coming to destroy them. But in actuality, it was the footsteps of just four leopards. And I want you to stop and think about that for a moment because you know how leprosy is. It eats away at the skin. Probably some of them didn't even have feet. They probably just had stumps. But they got up and they went and the enemy ran in fear. They were defeated without them even lifting a finger. And you know what's so amazing? Because if you read that whole chapter, Israel at that, that time was not even serving God. They were undeserving of this miracle, but 
God. But God, who is so good and who is so kind and his mercy endures forever. Amen. The lepers had came into a spacious place, a place of abundance. Amen. The Bible says that when they went in, they ate and they drank and they carried away the silver and the gold and all the fine clothes. What would have happened if those four lepers just stood sitting outside the gate in a holding pattern and had not gotten up? We have to rise up. Even when our circumstances want to keep us down, even when we have haunting fears plaguing us, fear of the future, fear of failure, fear of man, fears coming from the past that want to keep us in a holding pattern, but not any longer, amen? For too long, some of you have been expecting nothing, doing nothing, getting nothing, and life is passing you by, but no more. The Lord is saying today, rise up. You have compassed this mountain long enough. Oh, but Debbie, you don't understand. I've blown it. I've made so many bad choices, so many bad mistakes in the past. Listen, there's not one of us here that has not blown it. There's not one of us here that have not made some bad decisions. Hello. I got the T-shirt at home to prove it. Right? All of us have done it. But we can't live in the past. We can't see ourselves as failures. You can't see yourself as a victim. It's time to cast down those thoughts. That's a stronghold. And it's time to fulfill God's destiny for your life. Are you breathing this morning? Are you breathing? Turn to your neighbor. Say, are you breathing? Okay. Well, if they said yes, guess what? God has an awesome and exciting plan for you. He's not done with you yet. He's got a wonderful plan for your future, and he's not trying to keep it a secret from you. He's not. Let me tell you something. As you spend time with Jesus, as you spend time alone with him, he will put his desires, his dreams, his purposes inside of you. He will paint a picture on the side of you, and when he shows you what it is, you've got to rise up. You've got to pursue it. You've got to go and get it, that vision that he puts in your life. Amen? You can't just keep praying about it. Some of you are just praying about it, praying about it. You keep waiting for the right conditions. You're trying to be practical. You want all the ducks lined up in a row. Doesn't make, you know, you want it to make sense. Listen, faith does not make sense. It doesn't. doesn't. You just got to rise up and do it. Amen? Can't be passive. We can't be lazy. I like what Pastor Joseph reminds us every Sunday. Keep on doing it. We have to activate God's promises. It doesn't automatically happen. It doesn't have to. We've got to actively pursue God's will for our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Recently, you know, the Lord has, yeah, I told you this last time I spoke, I believe. The Lord had said for me to ask big. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to ask you? You've blessed me beyond my wildest dreams. He said, ask big. I went before the Lord. Lord, ask big. I wrote some things down. Okay, Lord. And I keep spending to keep saying, ask big. Ask, oh my Lord, my God. But one day, he dropped these two big things in my heart. I said, Lord, I can't do that. That's too big. Well, that's how I know it's God. (laughs) It's too big. I can't do it. I can't bring that thing to pass. But you know something? As I'm spending time with the Lord, he's going to show me. He's showing me how he's going to bring that to pass. And when he does, I've got to step out. I've got to go out. I'm not leaving Highway Church. It's just a bigger, something else. Are you following me? But I've got to rise up and I've got to pursue what God has for me. Amen? Amen. Can we move on? Rise up. Take your journey. Look what it says there. Can I say that again? Take your journey. Only you can fulfill your journey that God has ordained for you. I love what it says in Jeremiah chapter 1. He says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. This is for everybody here today. This is is not just for Debbie. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Some of you are looking at me and say, oh, yeah, but that's not. No, it's for you. When you were in your mother's womb, I don't know if you wanted, not wanted. That doesn't doesn't even matter. He formed you there. He wants you. And before you came out, he says, I had a plan. I sanctified you and ordained you. Before you were even in your mother's womb, he laid out a path, a journey for you to follow, a destiny to fulfill. Several years ago, I heard Andrew Warmack say, if your life isn't absolutely awesome, 
If you're not thrilled with it, if your life is boring, you missed God. You have not found God's plan for your life. Can I be honest with you? That made me so upset. Because you know how Andrew is. He's so blunt, but it was true. My life was boring. I wasn't thrilled about it. I had no more kids to raise. My job was done at the bakery. I was home, doing nothing, expecting nothing, getting nothing, right? And when I looked around, I saw others and where they were going and what they were doing, what they were accomplishing, and I wasn't happy. They were gifted, I was not. And I found myself comparing myself to them. And the word says, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves. That's not wise. Come on, that's the word. I just quoted the word. You didn't answer me. Jesus, the word says that's not wise. So listen, number one, it's not wise to desire someone else's journey. Because at the end of the day, you won't be happy. You're not going to be fulfilled. Number two, you know what else is not wise? To set out on your own journey. And we've all done that. Come on. We've all done our own thing, right? At the end of the day, we're not happy. We're not fulfilled. And number three, it's also not wise to set out on a journey that others think we should follow. When I was a child, my mom had fallen down the stairs. She had hurt a coccyx bone. And uh, she would have me rub her back for her. And I always managed to bring my mother relief. And she'd say, oh, you're going to be my nurse. You're mommy's nurse. You're going to be mommy's nurse one day. And you know, I got old, as I got old and I graduated from uh, high school, what career do you think I saw? Nursing, of course. Mommy was my best friend. I wanted to please mommy. Mommy said, jump. I said, how high? You know what I mean? Okay. So I began to take courses in college. Uh, I was also working at the hospitals at CNA. And then I had my first daughter, Jessica. I got married first. Then I, <laughs> okay, so I got married, had my daughter, and I never went back into nursing. Is there anything wrong with nursing? Absolutely not. But that's not what God had for me. I was trying to fill, fulfill someone else's journey. Don't forget, I didn't know God back then, because if I was a, even a teenager today, young person today, I would definitely seek God for his path, his journey for my life. Amen. All right, because there's nothing wrong with that. I said to my daughter, Jessica, when she just said she wanted, she had expressed a desire to take over the family bakery business. I said, don't do it, daughter. Don't do it. If that is not God's, you need to pray and ask God if that's God's journey and God's path for you. Amen? So the reason why so many are not happy, so, so many people are not fulfilled. They hate going to work in the morning. They hate their job. It's because God, that's not God, they're not fulfilling God's plan and purpose. Okay, they may be making a lot of money. They may look successful in the eyes of the world, but inside the truth being known, they're not happy. Right? There's a sense of um, unfulfillment. Does, when we are in God's path, in God's journey, we're going to have joy. We're going to have peace. We're going to experience a satisfaction. Does that mean we're not going to have any bad days? We'll have bad days, but we will have that peace and that joy because we know we're in the center of God's will. Amen? Amen? Okay. So, you know and I know we were created for so much more. And God has given you desires and dreams in your heart. You know that if you hear... <laughs> Some of you have God give, let's put it this way, God's desires and dreams in your heart that if you would follow them, it would take you in the opposite direction that you're heading right now. But you're fearful and you're afraid to step out. You're afraid you might fail. But you know something? If God has put something in your heart, you ought to be doing it yes. and giving it everything you've got. Correct. Amen? And not be satisfied with anything less. So I want, to, I want to encourage you to pursue what God has for you. Amen. I know I'm speaking to someone here this morning. Get ready. He's getting ready to change some lives. You need to put your seatbelt on because you're in for a ride. Your life is about to change. I am prophesying this morning. God is about to do something in your life that may, may terrify you before it edifies you. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be better than you can ever imagine. But don't worry about it. It's going to be all right. Amen. Don't be afraid. It's going to be all right. Amen? Amen. 
Amen? But you gotta just stop rehashing the past. Stop looking at the past. Stop looking at the past mistakes, the wrong decisions, because that's only the enemy. He's a liar. The enemy is a liar. He's a liar. The devil is a liar. I love to say, the devil is a liar, and Jesus is the Messiah. Amen? Amen. All right. I want to stop and just pray for a moment. I'm not done yet. I'll be praying throughout the message, okay? All right? Father, close your eyes. Father, I thank you that you have much more than what we are experiencing. Thank you, Father, that in you there's no condemnation for our past mistakes and all the times we failed. Thank you for the abundance of grace. Thank you, Father, that today is a turning point. Lord, by faith, we are going to rise up. We're going to take our journey as you continue to show us and make it clear to us. Amen. Amen. Are we ready? Let's go on. Rise ye up. Take your journey. Pass over the river Arnon. Do you see that there? Now watch this. The purpose of crossing the river was to invade King Sion's territory. Sion in the Hebrew means warrior. A warrior is an experienced, trained soldier, a fighter. The children of Israel, they're not, they were not trained in war. They had spent 48 years, 40 years in the desert. They're not experienced fighters. Yet God is telling them to enter into a territory, I'm going somewhere, where they will go up against an experienced, trained soldiers. And if that isn't bad enough, when they cross the river, okay, the river will now be behind them. And in the natural, this is crazy. This is so dangerous. But God is putting them at a disadvantage. They couldn't turn back. Once they crossed that river, they were committed to engage him in battle. Wow. Let me ask you a question. Is this part of their journey? Is this part of God's plan? You are kidding, right? Why? Why would God put them in that position? A position where there was no way out. There's no turning back. Even if they chickened out and they wanted to turn back, their backs would be towards the enemy. You never turn your back on the enemy. They needed a miracle. And they needed God to show up or they would be goners. Have you ever been in that position? Mm-hmm. where you believe God has told you to do something, you have to step out, and you know that if he didn't come through, you would be a goner. You could lose everything. Has the Lord ever told you to step out in faith and maybe sow a large financial gift, pay someone's mortgage, give away your car, and doing so, it means that you're going to suffer some hardship? Yet you know that's what God is telling you to do. Is God asking you, to step out in faith and leave your job and start a business? Quit your job and go to Bible college? Support a ministry? Start a ministry? Move out of that apartment and buy a home? You see, many people won't put themselves in that position where they, where they can't turn back. They don't want to get out of their comfort zone. They won't take the risk. And that's the reason why they don't see the supernatural power of God working in their lives, yeah. right? Yeah. Do you want to see the power of God manifest in your life? You've got to take a step of faith and cross over the river yeah. in spite of what you see, mm-hmm. in spite of what you don't see. Mm-hmm. When we step out in faith, something happens in the spirit realm and we release the power of God. Can you say amen? amen. Is this helping anybody today? Yeah. Am I boring you? No? Okay. Yeah. Number four. He says, rise ye up, take your journey, cross over the river Arnon. Oh, I love this. Behold, I have given unto your hand Sion and his land. Did you notice the Lord said, behold, that means to see. I have given. See, I have given. That's past tense. This is a very important principle here. The children of Israel had to see with their spiritual eyes, Sion defeated, and the same, and and possessing that land. And the same principle holds true for you and me today, family. Anytime God speaks a word of promise to you and to me, be it in healing, prosperity, 
restoration of our family, deliverance, more territory to conquer, more influence, more effectiveness. We have got to see ourselves possessing it. We have to see it done in our hearts, inside, before we ever see it on the outside. Because in God's heart, the land was already in their possession. The enemy was already defeated. Victory was already there because that's how God saw it. But what they needed to do was take God at his word and then they need to mix it with faith. The previous generation had not done that. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 tells us, the word preached unto them did not profit them. That was the first generation. The message Bible says, listen to this, the promises didn't do them any good because they did not mix it with faith. Now it was this generation's turn. Now it's this generation's turn. Ooh, I told you I was going to speak prophetically. It's your turn. Now you've got to mix God's word with faith. Faith. Number one, right, if you're right, take your notes. Faith is the ability to see something with your heart that you can't see with your physical eyes. I see my son saved. I see my daughter saved. I see the bills being paid. I see my body healed. I see it before it ever manifests. Two, faith gives you confidence and assurance what you are seeing inside will come to pass on the outside. Three, faith always sees the end result before it is a reality. And faith, four, faith is what releases the power that is in the word of God. You know, many think that faith moves God to act on their behalf. Oh, if I pray, you know, oh God, I believe, I believe you're going to move. Faith does not move God. Faith, God has already moved 2,000 years ago. So the pivotal principle here is you've got to see it on the inside before you will ever see it on the outside. You've got to see yourself having it before you have it. You've got to see yourself buying it, possessing it before you ever have it. You've got to see it when everything in the natural looks contrary. You've got to look beyond these physical peepers and beyond the physical circumstances and see it done. It's a done deal. It's done. It's already done. And I know as I know as I know. I've got this pain in my body. This thing doesn't want to let up. This kid keeps acting up. But it's a done deal. God says my children are blessed. They're mighty in the land. That's what I'm going to confess. You can't look at your bank account. You can't look at your age. You can't look at your body. You can't look at your intelligence, your lack of education, what you don't have. No. The moment God gives you a word, there's enough of power and anointing in that word to bring results, to bring the manifestation, to accomplish it. Whatever he's commanded, whatever he's declaring, whatever he's decreeing, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. Let's take healing, for instance, okay? Because in God's heart, Every sickness, every sickness, every disease, every syndrome, malady, weakness, disorder was put on Jesus. On Jesus, on his son. He bore it. He was crushed. He was bruised. And the word says, by his stripes, you are healed. Right? And in those words, by his stripes, you are healed, there's enough power to deliver to set free, to heal every sickness and every disease, open blind eyes, make the lame to walk, the maimed whole, raise someone from the dead. So when we are afflicted with something, ready for this? We no longer ask God to heal us or deliver us. We no longer are beggars, we are commanders. We command our body to be healed. We declare the word of God, amen? And then we begin to see with the eyes of faith. And we thank God. Thank you, Lord. By your stripes, I am healed. Thank you, Lord. We begin to see ourselves well. And if we're lacking faith, then what do we need to do? We get into the word. And we begin to hear the word. And hear the word. And hear the word. And hear the word. And faith comes by hearing. And not heard. Hearing. And hearing. And hearing. And hearing the word of Christ. And what he's done. 
You ready? God does not control our healing. Ouch! Our deliverance, our prosperity, our blessings. We do. Say, wow. Because I said a lot there. We control it either by our faith or by our unbelief. We are the ones that determine the results. We are the deciding factor. Say, wow. Yeah, isn't that amazing? So if you get healed, it's not God healing you all of a sudden. It's not. It's you. You've tapped into the power of God. That, where is it? It's already done. And where is it? Inside. We've tapped into the power that's already inside of us. Amen? And what? We have taken our authority. And we're using our authority. The same thing applies to finances. The Lord says, are you ready for this? The Lord says, he became poor that we might become rich. He says, I am the Lord that teaches you to profit. Profit. I have given you, he says, the ability to get wealth. I've given you that ability. Listen to what he's saying. I've given you that ability, Deuteronomy 18. He says, wealth and riches shall be in your house, Psalm 112. So according to God, are you ready for this? It's already done. You've already got it. He sees you prospering. But you might say, but Debbie, wait a minute, wait a minute, Debbie. Uh, hello, I don't have it. You want to see my wallet? You want to see my savings account? But hold on a minute. Is God to blame? Oh, you're great students. But that was a weak no. Is God to blame? That's right, because he's already provided it. He sees you with more than enough. He sees you prospering. He sees the wealth and riches in your house. Now listen, if it's not there yet, no condemnation. No condemnation, because you know what? It's coming. It's coming. It just means that you have to take the word of God. You've got to meditate on it until it becomes revelation. And you ready for this? Not just information. Because revelation brings about transformation. Because revelation forms a picture inside of you, which causes you to speak what you see, and it comes to pass. Oh, for years, the Bible was information to me. Beautiful information. Hallelujah on Sundays. Praise the Lord. Oh, I went to a Portuguese church. I'm sorry. But guess what? I was not a doer of the word. I was a hearer but not a doer. Are you following me? But as I began to listen to the word, and listen to the word, and listen to the word, and meditate on it, it began to form a picture inside of me. I began to see myself differently. I began to see I've got the victory. I don't have to beg God. I can command things to happen. Amen? Oh, you're preaching my message, brother. Open your mouth, right? So let's say perhaps right now, the picture on the inside of you is failure and defeat. Perhaps in the past, you set out to do something and you failed. You failed at a business venture. Maybe you went through a divorce. Perhaps you lost a job. Something has happened maybe to hurt your self-esteem. And because of it, you see yourself as a failure. You're praying for success, but you see yourself as a failure. And as long as you see yourself a failure, you won't succeed. You won't cross over to the other side. You won't enter into that promised land and possess what rightfully belongs to you because you have to see yourself succeeding before you are successful. Before Joshua ever led the children of Israel into the promised land, before he was able to conquer any of the giants, he needed to see himself doing it. He needed to see himself successfully carrying out that assignment. So what does God have him do? God told him in Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8, he says, God told him to meditate in this word. 
He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so you can do what is written therein. And then you shall make your way prosperous. And then you shall have good success. Let me ask you another question. Wednesday get-togethers do not answer. Who shall make your way prosperous? God or you? I hear a couple of yous. Maybe a God. I am not hearing anything. Who shall make your way prosperous according to this verse? You. 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 You are responsible for your success and your prosperity. So if I want to be successful, if I want to be prosperous, what do I need to do? What do you need to do? Meditate on the word day and night. Night and day. Isn't this simple? It's so simple. Our success and our prosperity is not in the hands of the government. Uncle Sam, it's not in the hands of our job, the economy. It's in our own hands. So I want to encourage you today to meditate on the word of God. When you get up in the morning, pop a CD in. On your way to work, listen to the word of God. As you're tinkering in the garage, as you're washing the dishes, listen to the word. Listen to the word. And then get alone with God. Shut off those devices. Don't even take the telephone with you. You want to know why? When I get an email or a message, do, 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 do. it's something like that. You know, it's my email. I know somebody's emailing me or texting me, right? It's a distraction. So we're going to leave that outside. Say, yes, Debbie. We're going to go inside the room alone with our Bible, a notebook, and a pen because God's going to talk. And we're going to write it down. Amen? We're going to go in there to be, what do I do? You're going to go in that room, close the door, worship him, and praise him, and thank him for what he's doing and what he wants to do in your life. The prophet Habakkuk was able to hear and see God's thoughts, okay, concerning what God wanted him to do only when he separated himself. And he went up into the tower. The, the Lord told the apostle John, come up higher. Come up higher. I want to show you. He wanted to show him his plan for his life, what was going to happen. Amen? And there's some of you here today that God is calling you to come up higher. He's saying to you today, I want to show you some things. Get ready. Get ready because it's going to be big. It's going to be outrageous. It's going to even look impossible to accomplish. But guess what? With God, nothing is impossible and if that thing looks too big like mine looks too big that's what i meditate on lord with you nothing is impossible nothing is impossible you meditate on that and as you do you're going to be see yourself owning it having it buying it doing it accomplishing it. it'll be only a matter of time before opportunities ideas resources divine connections and directions are revealed amen i, I know it because i'm living it right now i'm seeing what god is doing it's coming out of the woodwork. You know. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Let's move on. Ready? He goes on to say, begin to possess it. Begin to possess the land. Now, the question begging to be asked here is, Debbie, now you should be thinking this, really. Debbie, if God says we already have it, why is he saying begin to possess it? Why do we have to do anything? Then it must not be done. No, 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 no. Once God gives you a word, like I said, a promise, once he decrees something, it's an accomplished truth. Okay? But there are three important principles here I want us to understand. Write this down. It's important. Here we go. Number one, much of what we possess in this Christian life is tied to our growth and maturity. And I said a mouthful there. Much of what we possess in this Christian life is tied to our growth and maturity. Number two, our possessions are received by revelation, not information. And number three, the Christian life is a process. We possess our promised land in steps and stages. If we were to read further ahead in Deuteronomy chapter 7, God told Moses that they were going to possess that land little by little, little by little. And you and I will possess our promised land, not all at once, but little by little. Because if you look back at your life right now, right, you can see, right, how you have grown, yes. 
how you have matured, how you have believed God for more things, greater things, and you've seen that come to pass in your life, correct? It's been by steps and stages. That's how the kingdom of God operates, which is what? The blade, then it's the corn, and then it's the full corn in the ear, right? Something along that line. You know where I'm coming from, right? Okay? So we still have so much more lands to possess. There are still, still things God wants to give us. But guess what? There's preparation time involved. And preparation time yeah. is never wasted time. Yeah. Amen? Amen? You know, for years, Dennis and I, we, you know, we have grown in our faith, especially in the area of finances and business. Because when we took my parents over, when we took over my family's business, my parents 32 years ago, their business, you know, uh, we didn't have what we have today. We just had a few major chains, okay? And if God had opened the door for us back there, back then, what we are doing today, oh my God, we would have been a nervous wreck. <laughs> it would have scared the heck out of us. We would not have been able to pull it off. Why? Because we weren't ready. We weren't prepared. We weren't even mature enough. We were intimidated by the store buyers and supervisors. You've heard Dennis say many times when he used to see the buyer, at, uh, you know, the, the major chains, all those guys would come in with their three-piece suits and ties and their briefcase, and he'd come with his little bag, you know, the little plastic bag here with the, with the sweet bread to come and show the major buyers. Really. He didn't sleep practically all night. He walked in with his little bag, right? Oh, how far we've come, baby. But you know something? We've grown. We've grown in faith. We've grown in wisdom. And we have begun to believe God to take every step of the way. And we're conquering our promised life. This is for each and every one of you. Whatever God calls you or showing you to do, you're going to conquer that little by little. Don't let it overwhelm you. Don't let it. It's going to seem intimidating. But you know something? Don't try and take the whole territory. It's step by step. Amen? Amen. Amen. So our prayer needs to be, Father, what do I need to do? to move me closer to fulfilling your plan and your purpose. Isn't that a good prayer? Father, what do I need to do to move me closer to fulfilling your plan and purpose for my life? I pray that for me right now. Amen? I want to go higher. I want to go higher, don't you? I don't want to be the same. A year from now, I don't want to be the same. I'm expecting more. I'm going to get more. Say, yes, Debbie, you're too quiet on me. Say, yes, Debbie, open your mouth. Say, yes, Debbie. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Praise Open the Lord. your mouth. Amen. All right. Ready? Rise ye up. Take your journey. Cross over the river Arnarn. Look, I've given into your hand, Sion, and his land. Begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. Now, you got the seatbelts there? Put them on. The most important thing here to remember when contending with the enemy in battle is the outcome is never in question. It has to be settled in our heart that Christ has already defeated our enemy. Amen. He has won us the victory. Our battle, so to speak, is simply enforcing what Christ has already done for us and won for us. This is huge. Okay, especially if you come from the background that we've come, a religious background, it's already done. Everything that God says in his word is ours, it's ours, and we already have it. We're not trying to get something from God. We are fighting, ready? We are fighting because we believe we already have it, and we are not going to allow the enemy to steal what is rightfully ours. This is the mindset that we have to have. Healing is mine. Prosperity is mine. It belongs to me. All of God's blessings and benefits are mine. I got it. It's mine. I'm not going to allow the enemy to come in and try and stop what God has commanded in my life to come to pass into manifestation. Does that make sense? Because there's a huge difference between fighting from victory and fighting for victory. Fighting to get healed or fighting because I am healed. We fight because we know what legally belongs to us. And the enemy is trying to steal from us. He's trying to steal our health, our wealth, our peace, our joy, our children, everything that Jesus died for, okay? For years, I allowed the enemy to steal my health. I gave him ground. But when I learned that I can walk in divine health and that it belongs to me, I went after it. 
I went after it. And when you decide to go after what rightfully belongs to you, when you decide to take background, the enemy will fight you every inch of the way he doesn't want to let go. He's gained a stronghold. But you know what's very interesting? Sion, his name means warrior. He was the king of the city of Hesbon. Do you know what Hesbon means in Hebrew? Stronghold. So God was bringing him to a place that there was a stronghold. But in order for us to go in and possess our land, we've got to fight against the enemy's strongholds. Strongholds like you'll never get well. You'll never get ahead. You'll never make it. You'll never see your kids safe. They'll never do better than that. They're getting worse. Things will never change. These are all lies of the enemy. And when God is getting ready to promote you, when he's getting ready to increase your sphere of influence and effectiveness and increase your prosperity and take you to a higher level, you can count on opposition. But don't take it personally because it's not about you. Say, it's not about me. It's not about me. Say it. The fight is about where you're going. It's about the people and the lives that you are going to affect and you're going to change. It's about those who will become part of your spiritual legacy. Yes. I know why the enemy has been fighting me tooth and nail. The devil is a liar. Yeah. Jesus is the Messiah. But I can see what's going on. And I can see even sitting before me today. How the enemy wanted to snuff my life. I can't tell you. A couple of times he kept telling me, you better call Pastor Joseph because you're not going to preach on Sunday. You better call him so he can be ready. Liar! <laughs> Liar! <laughs> he does not want you sharing the good news of the gospel. He doesn't want you supporting and affecting the kingdom of God. So he will rear his ugly head and try and stop you. He will harass you. He will hinder you. He will discourage you and depress you. He'll try to wear you down in hopes that you'll give up. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So when you sense that, you got to get that mindset. It's the enemy trying to keep me down. It's the enemy trying to depress me, discourage me so I can give up because he sees where I'm going. He sees where my family is heading. There will be an end. There will be a battle. Satan and his cohorts are not abiding by the rules. It's illegal what they are doing. But it's important to remember when contending with the enemy for the promised land, for your possessions, take your authority. Enforce the victory that's already yours. Don't back down. I, oh, I looked up that word content and the word, that word literally means to be angry. To stir oneself to anger. Excite oneself against a foe. Yeah. So when the Lord told Moses, contend with Sion, he was saying, stir yourself to anger. Yeah. Don't go into his land, with, into his territory, with the passive mentality, a lax mentality, a victim mentality. He said, no, gird yourself up, stir yourself to anger against that foe, and engage him in battle. And this is the attitude and mindset that we must have. We can't just sit back and allow the enemy to wreak havoc in the lives of our children, in the lives of our loved ones. We must enforce our victory or he will devour us. In our study, the believer's authority, hasn't that been great on yeah, get-togethers? Yeah. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. Brother Hagen made a very important statement. He said this. So many Christians, he said, don't know they have authority over the devil and unknowingly yield to him. Anytime they don't stand in their authority, the devil takes advantage of the situation and steps in to devour. Brothers and sisters, great men and women of God who have seen many supernatural miracles and transformation in people's lives have a righteous anger attitude and they take their authority against the devil. The Bible commands us to be angry and sin not. God gave us a temper not to use it selfishly, yeah. 
not to use it on people, but on the evil acts of the devil. And the key here, are you listening? The key here is to realize you are not to fight or be angry with people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you are not my enemy. Turn to the other side and say, you are not my enemy. Now, you may have argued all the way into church, but you say, you are not my enemy. Jesus said, resist the devil, and that word resist means to set oneself against, to oppose, to actively fight. This is New Testament. Resist the devil and he shall flee. Jesus himself said the kingdom of God has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. And that word violent means the forceful ones takes it. It seizes it. You know, many years ago, I was, I was um, one beautiful morning, I was walking down a set of stairs in my, um, in my house on, uh, in Fall River. I had a beautiful in-ground swimming pool. And I was walking down the stairs to put chlorine in the pool. When I heard out of nowhere, it was not an audible voice, but it was inside my spirit, I heard, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. I said, oh, Lord. Okay. No, that, that kept, I kept thinking about that. And then it was a couple of weeks later when my husband said to me, we got out of church one morning. And he said to me, this was many years ago, he said, babe, he said, I'm dying. I'm dying. I need the word. I feel like I'm not getting the word. We stopped right, in a, right across the street from the church that we left. It was another church and it was a good friend of ours. He walked in there and he said, Pastor, do you have any tapes by uh, Shambach? because that's what he remembered, he knew, Shambach. And so he said, well, no, they're all at home, but I had the couple here, take these two, you know. So we did, we fellowship a little, I got into the car. When I picked up the cassette, it said, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. So of course, immediately, you know, I began to listen to that, okay. Not much longer after that, all hell broke loose. And all I could do, back then with the word that I had. And I, all I kept saying was, Lord, what happened? What happened? What happened? I remember being in my bedroom and it was like, the tears were just flowing. And I've never seen anything like that in my life. And I, well, but Lord, what happened? What happened? What happened? And one morning while I was in prayer, the, the, the Lord brought that text to me uh, of the farmer who uh, planted some seed in the ground and uh, his servant came to him and said, but sir, I thought you had planted good seed. Where did the weeds come from? And the, the enemy, he said, the enemy had done this. Boy, did that make me angry. Now you have to understand, I am not a person that enjoys conflict. I grew up, I'm very quiet, timid child. I like peace, I'm not a fighter. But when you touch what belongs to me, when you touch my husband, when you touch my children, you're going to see another side of me. I went to war. And David said, you teach my hands to war and my fingers to do battle. When David went up against Goliath and his, his enemies, he said, I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn again till they were all consumed. This is the attitude that you and I must have. We've got to fight when the enemy tries to mess with our children, our health, our finances, our spouse, our business, our loved ones. We've got to take authority and contend until everyone flees. But unfortunately, many Christians are take, not taking their authority. They're acting like victims when something happens. God, please get the devil off my back. Get the devil off my back. Lord, you're going to heal me. Help me financially. Bless me, Lord. They're acting like victims. They're waiting on God. To, and God is saying, I'm waiting on you. You take authority, he's saying. Do you remember the story that Brother Hagin told about his pants being stolen? He only had two pairs of pants to preach in, right? And somebody stole the two pairs of pants. So did he just read? What did he do? Did he cry about it? Did he sit back passively? What did he do? He commanded the spirit to stop his action. What happened? The spirit, the, the pants were brought back. 
When the Lord told Moses and children of Israel so long ago, he is saying to you and me today, stir yourself against the foe. Engage him in battle. We cannot put up with the enemy. We cannot mollycoddle him. We've got to cut his head off. Just like David did when he faced Goliath, the uncircumcised giant, the guy that had no covenant. And listen to me. I have not come this far not to throw my stone. Now, the question begging to be asked is, Debbie, how do we fight this fight? First of all, we need to get a revelation, who we are in Christ, what he has done for us. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Amen? And that makes us royalty. And I love the lesson three that we had in that book. The, uh, uh, it was called Seated with Christ. And you know, in that message, God spoke to me. He says, I want you to see yourself seated with Christ. I want you to have a throne room mentality. And for the Lord to tell me that, you know, I'm not walking fully in that revelation. A throne room mentality is seeing yourself seated with Christ and yet seeing yourself rule and reign here on earth with the authority that he's given us. When we get a revelation of our authority, we begin to act different. We begin to walk different. We begin to talk different, right? So if you look back, and I'm closing now, if you look back at chapter 2 of Deuteronomy, the very next word that God speaks to Moses after verse 24, he says, this very day, I will begin to put the terror and fear of you on all the nations under heaven. They will hear reports of you and will tremble and be in anguish because of you. Let me tell you something. We so often fear the devil, but he's afraid of us. I have come to learn that the fear that we feel, the fear that I feel, the fear that we feel is his fear. He's afraid of us, and he's trying to put it on us. Okay? And I love the way the Lord encourages and strengthens those who are fearful in Isaiah 41. I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible because this blew, blessed my socks off. I'm serious. The Lord says, don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear. I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. Keep a firm grip on you. Count on it. Everyone who had it in for you will end up empty-handed out in the cold. Real losers. When you go out looking for your old adversaries, you won't find them. Ready for this? Not a trace of your old enemies. Not even a memory. That's right, he says. Because I, your God, have a firm grip on you and I'm not letting go. Don't panic. I'm right here. And I love that, not a trace. In the King James, it says, you shall seek them and you shall not find them. Even them that contended with you, they that war against you, they shall be as nothing. But watch this. If you continue to read down in Isaiah 41, verse 15, he says, look again. Here he goes. Look, he said, behold, I will make you a new threshing shop instrument having teeth. You're going to pulverize the mountains. He's talking about speaking to our obstacles, speaking to the mountain, speaking to the principalities and the authorities. Don't fear them. You're going to beat them small, he says, meaning they're not going to be able to stand against you. Speak to that mountain. Open your mouth. Say it. Open your mouth. Say it. Open your mouth. And we declare the word. I can't tell you how many times I, I you know, it's so funny because when I went to St. Michael, I'm having dinner with my son and grandbabies. And my, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my son said, Johnny, Johnny. And both little ones, the three-year-old and the one-year-old says, yes, Papa, you eat sugar? No, Papa, you tell lies? No, Papa, open your mouth. Ha, ha, ha. I thought it was a cute. Oh, funny. Every day, then, instead of coming home, Open your mouth. You got sugar? Open your mouth. Ha ha ha. We made a joke out of it. Until three days ago, I was listening to a message from a pastor. And he was talking about fighting for your territory. Fighting for what rightfully belongs to you. And you know what he said? Open your mouth. Open your mouth. And throughout the day, I just keep opening my say. I said to him, I talk to myself. I said, Debbie, open your mouth. And I open my mouth and I declare the word of God over my body. I declare the word of God over my situation, over my finances. I say, 
open your mouth. And you know what? That's what you're going to do today. You're going to open your mouth. Amen? Okay. So I've got a declaration. And I want you to repeat after me. So open your mouth. Repeat after me. I am a child of God. I am chosen, accepted, and loved by God. I am forgiven. I am anointed. I am highly favored with God and man. I am an overcomer. I am a victor and not a victim. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am bold. The righteous are as bold as a lion. I am fearless. I am a praiser. I am a worshiper. I am a lover of God's word. I am confident. I have the mind of Christ. I am healthy and strong and full of life. I have the peace of God. I have the courage to step out and pursue my dreams. I dream big dreams. God's dreams. And I believe nothing is impossible with God. I am brought before great men because of the gifts God has given me. I am disciplined in every area of my life. I am organized. I am successful. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I am blessed coming in and blessed going out. I am going to the next level. I'm being prepared for promotion. I am meditating the word day and night. Making my way prosperous. I am blessed with the abundance of prosperity. I am blessed to be a blessing. All my needs are met. I am a tither and, and, not a, and a giver. I honor God with my finances. God gives me ideas, the ability to produce wealth. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my sustainer. The Lord is my strong tower. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my defender. The Lord is my rock. I am a living memorial to show that God is upright and faithful to his promises. Amen. Amen. I'm going to close with this. This is for you. Receive it in Jesus' name. I got good news for you today. This is your season. This is your time. It's been a long time coming, but you are about to enter into the best time of your life. The enemy has been resisting you with one thing or another. Sickness, depression, financial setbacks, all kinds of family problems. But get ready, get ready, get ready. Things are about to turn around. Get ready for restoration. Get ready for breakthrough. Everything that Satan has stole from you will be restored. You will receive double for your trouble. God has territory for you. He has a region of influence for you. He's about to promote you, take you to another level this day. Keep a throne room mentality. You have been raised up and are seated with Christ. All powers and principalities are under your feet. They are defeated. They have told you you are defeated. You'll never make it. You'll never get well. You're not good enough. That's a lie. It's time to rise up, take your journey, cross over to that place of no return, no looking back, and get ready to see all that has been given to you. Get ready to dream again. You are going to dream big dreams. You are going to wonder how it's going to come to pass but don't worry how it's going to come to pass he will bring it to pass get a vision of victory see yourself succeeding see yourself well see yourself prospering see your family restored see your vision come to pass open your mouth and i'm all done glory to god glory the devil is a liar the devil is a liar at highway church we want to help you grow in your relationship with jesus christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. 
If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.